Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's Chris from Base Partners, joined uh, once again for what's becoming a regular partnership that we've got on here is Emily Onis, who is our Exec Director for HR Transformation. Ems, back on the scene, you all right? Hi, Chris, yeah, yeah, I am, thank you. <laughs> Are you looking forward to talking HR shared services this, this afternoon? Because that's what we're going to do. No. <laughs> Of course well, we're I going am. to do it anyway. <laughs> we're going to do it anyway. We're going to no, talk I about am. the uh, I am. shared fantastic. services. <laughs> we're going to talk about the shared services white paper because this is the latest of the what I've called sort of deeper dives or drill downs into a specific chapter. And what we try to do with this podcast is to uh, we obviously interview people about lots of different topics, but we also like to go into a little bit of detail where some of the thought leadership that we've put together as well. So. This is the uh, Future of HR Shared Services white paper. It was produced in November 2020, and you can download it if you just go to lacepartners.co.uk forward slash shared services, and you can read the whole report as it is. But we're just focusing on this chapter one today, which is what's in a name. And as I was saying to you just before we went live, I quite like it because it's looking at things like internal brand and perception and things like that. So I wanted to just get your thoughts just to start us off. Give us a bit of an overview as to the chapter itself. And then let's talk a little bit about those perceptions around HR and things that HR can be doing to improve their own internal brand and perceptions. Yeah, sure, Chris. And I was obviously being sarcastic because you know how much I love talking about shared services. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was really interesting, actually, this sort of first chapter, I guess, about ambition and, and vision and perception. Because when we were talking as part of the, the research, I think kind of what really came clear was in some organisations, not not all by any stretch, but in some, and also in some, in some degrees more than others, there was still a perception that HR shared services is very much just there to do admin work, to do transactional work, kind of do what it's told, actually, and in some respects, potentially be slightly subservient to other parts of, of HR or, or ultimately to the business. And I think that's probably a a legacy sort of view that in some organisations hasn't necessarily moved on for for various reasons. But it was an interesting one because even in some organisations where actually their shared service model was relatively mature, i.e. they digitised quite a lot of activities, they'd maybe brought new services in, sort of taking activities from the COEs as much as also the business partners and and doing, you know, end-to-end recruitment within shared services, you know, really taking on some of the more strategic talent activities and doing that in shared services. In some cases, still, there was a little bit of a, oh, well, you work in shared services. Mm -hmm. Interesting, particularly given that as you know, you look to optimize your operating model, kind of shared services being the engine room, and there's so much opportunity there. Actually, is is there something in, are we really positioning from a PR side, the value that that function can create in the right way with our stakeholders? And are we challenging yeah. some of the misconceptions? Yeah, I think that's Interesting, that word that you used there, PR, it's the internal brand and the internal Mm. perception. Do you know, one of the things that used to drive me nuts when I first started working in business is people describing my function as 
back office. I don't know what it is about that terminology back office but this does this isn't a hr specific thing this is a hr marketing it ops we all sometimes suffer from that as the oh you guys are just back office it's that sort of historical archaic yeah. perception of yeah. right at the back of the office tucked away just doing your stuff nobody can you know it's almost the you're the legs of the swan aren't you mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah and and even in organizations that are focusing more on employee experience and explicitly focusing on employee experience and saying, well, actually, the people that are at the day-to-day coalface from an HR side in delivering that experience are probably going to be the shared service individuals. They, you know, have they really kind of redefined or not rebranded for the sake of rebranded, but recommunicated that service proposition and value proposition, moreover, to the rest of the function and to the business? Because if you haven't done that, um, and you're still maybe called, you know, operations, HR operations. Actually, you're by default in that name of operations, making it sound like it perhaps is more of that traditional transactional activity, even if actually the way that you're organized and the services that you offer are, I am a manager, advisor and a coach in my day to day role. That is a completely different value proposition to I just do operational activity. Mm-hmm. But your name is necessarily reflecting that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one on the name as well. And we talked about this uh, in the report because it's all very well looking at rebranding and re-communicating what we do as a function is different, but you've got to get it right. Mm. And what the kind of, in your opinion, the behaviors and attributes that need to sit underneath that rather than just saying, oh, guess what? We've now decided that we're changing our team. We're now the, I don't know, the people function or whatever it is, rather than the, yeah. the HR ops team. Yep. No, I agree, right? And I think we've seen too many examples of where people have changed a name, maybe with all the right intentions, but there's been no substance ultimately behind it. And then actually it does more damage than good to the credibility of, of what you're trying to achieve. Um, so actions always speak louder than words, the old adage. But I think it, I think it's true in this context. So you know, in the, the report, kind of the, the framing of it is how can the legacy world of HR shared services be more of the driver of employee experience or people experience and, and also solutions generation and kind of really change the, the value proposition, I guess, that traditionally existed. But to do that, though, this isn't just saying, well, hey, if we rebranded ourselves, people, the people experience team or people experience and solutions or people experience or people services, whatever, whatever that is, as opposed to. HR operations, HR shared services, or people services, you've got to then fundamentally change what you stand for. So you can change the name. You might just be going from HR operations to people services even, because a lot of organizations have made that change. Well, if you're going to do that, actually, what is fundamentally different? What is it that you're offering? How do you offer that to actually say, this is now what we're here for. We're here to to drive excellent experience. So we know what the experiences are that we want to create. We've got clear measures of success. We've got continuous improvement mechanisms in place to help you constantly evolve that operating model and also to, I guess, cement and solidify the ambition that you have and the perception that you want to create at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it becomes yeah. tangible. Yeah, and, and it's a... It's difficult. It's a really difficult one. And the reason it's difficult is because, as we've talked about before, a lot of what we talk about in this chapter is so much intangibles, mm, isn't mm. it? It is. Um, yeah. And and so I find myself thinking there's there's definitely something in there 
around changing the behaviors, changing the attitudes, changing the way in which you communicate your internal mm -hmm. comms strategy, um, changing your internal PR side of it as well. Is there any other bits of advice? So we talk about in the actual report, one of the things that we sort of question, a challenge questions really is, you know, what's your mandate? What's mm -hmm. the type of relationship yeah. you want to have with the rest of your HR and the yeah. business? Can you just sort of elaborate on that? If you were if you were talking to somebody right now who's read the, uh, the that first chapter and has said general thoughts about what I can yeah. be doing, is there any things I could be doing right now? Yeah, no, of course, of course. And I guess it's important to say that one of the main reasons that we started the report with this chapter was actually just to just to get people thinking and reflecting you know, about where do they want their function to go? Because there isn't a right or wrong answer. And actually, you don't even necessarily have to formally rebrand. If it's made you think about doing things slightly differently, then we've achieved something because that was the intent of the chapter. Um, but in terms of kind of that relationship setting or resetting maybe with the business, questions such as actually on a continuum of maybe a relationship of um, kind of coaching guide, versus maybe command and control or police and control, where do you want to sit? Um, you know, traditionally, HR as a, as a function has really been about process, compliance, all things people related, but more from that process driven standpoint, which is which it still needs to be. But actually, we're seeing more and more now the need to become more of that trusted advisor, particularly from a shared service point of view, because that's what we want to do more of. So where do you sit on that continuum? And again, there's no right nor wrong answer because actually the business might not want you to be a coach and a guide. That might be your aspiration. But if the business doesn't need you to be that, then that's a reality check in itself, actually, as well. So that's that's one example. I mean, there's other ones like the types of conversation you have with the business. Is it adult to adult? Is it more parent child, which is sort of linked to that coach and guide versus uh, police and um, control? How much do you want to automate? How much do you want to be standardized versus personalized? Lots of different dimensions, but but they're they're all different questions, really, both to reflect on internally, but also moreover, what is the business needing us to do? Because it has to be driven again by your customers, which are the you know the people in the business ultimately. Yeah. And um, I've just got one more question just to just quickly throw in at you. Um, and it's around this idea of digitization and automation because in the hr on the offensive white paper we talk about you've got the operational kind of excellence side yep. and you've got the, the people strategy side yeah and i think as you've just pointed out if the business doesn't have the i guess the the demand or the requirement or the desire to drive you know that distinction if it is just we want our hr people to be these hr people and we we, mm -hmm. we don't really want the the people strategy side there's a tendency particularly with the post-covid world that we're living in or well still in the covid world but when we get into the post-covid world where everyone's now starting to look at digitization mm. and automation as well mm -hmm. and so i wonder if there is a a danger of hr shared services teams effectively saying right well this is the way in which we want to go and We'll just use these. We'll, we'll try to go down a digitization automating processes route. I don't know what my question is in there. <laughs> I think there's, it's just, I, I, I think it's probably just uh, generally getting some thoughts from you on what's the right thing for teams to do? What questions should they be asking themselves if they rather than just the let's yeah. automate everything, yeah. let's, let's digitize everything. And then all of a sudden we can have an army of people, uh, consultants rather than. Uh, HR ops people mm -hmm. uh, what sort of questions do they need to be asking themselves 
Mm. I mean, ultimately, and we've talked about this before, Chris, you and I, it, it, this comes down to what is the experience that you are trying to deliver and defining that with all of your, your various different groups in the business. So not HR driving that because there is obviously the risk that you design what you think is right versus actually what the business needs. So as long as you're clear on what the experience is and by experience, that will then have an implication for the way you deliver the service. Well, first of all, what you deliver, so the services that you deliver, then the way that you offer offer them. Now, that might be in terms of the channels that you might use. It might be in terms of perhaps digitizing certain things. Um, it might be in terms of the role that a human plays in that activity and, and generating that experience. Then there's the capabilities link. It has operate you know implications across the whole operator model and systems. So as long as you've got that experience outcome and ambition defined, and then you start to think about, well, where should my high touch point pieces be? And then my lower touch activities be the lower touch being I could automate all of that because it just needs to be simple, really easy. It doesn't need any human interaction versus the things that actually really value um, and warrant that human touch. You should be able to strike the right balance as to how much you then digitize and automate Versus, yeah, trying to automate everything because it sounds like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Or if there's pressure from other, um, yeah. you know, the C-suite, for example, um, if you've got a chief executive that has seen mm-hmm. um, these different ways in which you can automate processes and is yep. thinking, or the chief finance officer who's thinking, actually, we can save ourselves some money on some yeah. some people side. I guess there's something in there about the HR shared services function being strong enough mm-hmm. to to say no really well, yeah, where it's yeah. needed to the automation question i absolutely agree and and you know that the the chief people officer and on behalf of the hr function as a whole actually having that conversation i guess it's how do you drive cost efficient employee centricity at the end of the day because with the shared service world as part of hr there's always going to be an expectation that that is cost effective. That was the premise on which it was originally designed, right? You centralize things because you get economies of scale. It's much simpler. It's much more cost effective to run. That's not going to go away. But employee centricity is as important as cost effectiveness is. And it doesn't mean that they have to be exclusive, actually. You can you can do both, but it's a balancing act of the two. And that's a tough conversation because sometimes particularly to get to the point where you are more employee centric, you have to invest to get there, which goes against (laughs) the concept of, well, shouldn't you be being more cost effective here and taking cost out to drive the right outcomes? Well, yes, we could do that ultimately is the end game, but it's a journey to get there. And that's, that's a different type of dialogue, I think, than has been had traditionally in the past. It is. And then you're getting into the ROI and the data sort of question, which is, evidencing your decisions to go down this route you know I've, i you know we need to digitize this and not digitize that we need to automate this we need to not automate that and these are the reasons why and this is the roi that we're going to deliver and it's being strong and i guess it's hr being better at we're, we're drifting into other chapters and other podcasts really <laughs> here but um i'm going into the data question but i think it is there is a a, a big there's a big role for HR shared services team to play in getting better at analyzing data, evidencing mm-hmm. their yeah. decision making and demonstrating that to the C-suite. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And then, yeah, it all helps with being outcomes driven. As you say, having the data points to prove your success. Yeah. yeah. But I guess ultimately to kind of bring it back to you know the chapter around sort of what's in a name, as I said before, 
this wasn't about saying to everyone, hey, now's the time to, to rebrand. As, as you said, right, Chris, it's got to be some substance behind it. It was much more just to give people who are reading the report a bit of a chance to reflect and go, actually, you know, have we looked at our ambition and our vision recently? M- might not have done. If you haven't, well, therefore, actually, maybe we should. There might be a few things in here that we could just do with some site repositioning, um, et cetera. It, what, you know, it was more just to get the um, the innovative ideas going. And I guess just that ambition again versus just keeping with the status quo. Yeah, it's like knowing the why, isn't it? Yeah. It's the why are we doing this? We're doing this, like, why Why are we rebranding? Because we want to be positioned different. Why are we doing this internal rebrand? Because we want to be positioned differently within the business. Well, why do you want to be repositioned differently within the business? Because what we were doing before, and even the COVID global pandemic of the last year has probably opened up a lot more of yeah. these types of conversations. What we were doing before is now different, and it's changed, and we can't we can't have it in the same way, can we? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And even if, you know, it doesn't result in a change to name and, you know, because HR operations or people services or whatever that part of HR might be called from a shared service standpoint, even if that that name doesn't change, it doesn't necessarily have to. If just the mindset of the leadership Mm -hmm. team, you know, the shared service leadership team changes slightly, that for me is success because it means actually we're we're taking the time to just critically think because we don't do that enough. The day job just gets in the way. I you know talk about it all the time with, with with different clients and friends. It's just like I want to spend that time, those three hours going through some of these challenge questions and reflecting, but there's never time. So okay. hopefully that's the one takeaway for people. Just sort of reflect and yeah, see what's right for them. And that is a really, really good ending point for today's podcast. Ems, as always. Brilliant to talk to you. Really great to get your thoughts on that particular chapter uh, to talk about you know, what is in a name and some of the underpinning challenges that HR shared services teams should be asking themselves rather than just we're all going to redevelop ourselves as the uh, people strategy department from now on. So um, as always, thank you very much. Oh, all good. No, thanks, Chris. Uh, We will see you again soon. We'll do more of these deep dives on some of the shared services white paper chapters. What we'll also do is we'll probably get a few of the contributors as well along too. Uh, maybe even some uh, some people that we think are showing showing demonstrating just how good they are at it because I think that's a that's an Mm -hmm. interest interesting discussion point as well. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud, on Spotify. You can ask Alexa. Just say, Alexa, search for the HR on the Offensive podcast and you'll find us, the latest edition. We're out every single Thursday. It would be lovely if you could like, subscribe, uh, put, put a lovely comment in iTunes for us. Uh, we always love reading things like that. And if you've got any ideas or suggestions or anything that we can talk about or any people that you think would be interesting for us to talk about, it would be really good to hear from you. So uh, thank you very much, Ems, once again. We will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye. Bye.